Welcome to my podcast, School of Humanity, and this is the first episode on how to deal with severe stress in the humanitarian sector. I'm Marika, your host, humanitarian globetrotter, international speaker, and I'm so glad you're tuning in today. Amid a global pandemic, unprecedented needs and growing insecurity, aid workers are staying and delivering to the world's most vulnerable people. But there is a downside to this rewarding job. In 2020 alone, 125 aid workers were killed and 124 were kidnapped. This is the most violent year on record. And in addition to that, international aid workers deal with many challenges as they live far away from their family and friends, change duty station every couple of years, you know, living in really diverse places, from Latin America to Africa to Asia, that takes its own toll. And this can really heighten feelings of stress, being overwhelmed, feeling isolated and emotionally drained. And this is where I'm very excited and where my next guest comes in. He has worked for many different non-governmental organizations, donors and United Nations agencies from Afghanistan to the Middle East, and Africa. He's currently based in Kiev with his family. He has seen and experienced it all, the ups and downs, the rewards and the dark moments. He has learned over time to live a more balanced life, looking back at over two decades of work experience in one of the most stressful and extreme circumstances. If you don't learn how to cope, you drown. Manav, it's my pleasure to have you on this podcast and welcome. You have been truly working all over the world in the most stressful and complex environments, such as Afghanistan, that is, you know, right now on the news everywhere. And we're with with the people and and watching closely what's happening. And you've worked there with different organizations. How would you say has working in the aid sector shaped you as a person? In answer to your rather you know, straight question, how has it changed me? I would say that the last 20 years, perhaps when I started uh, in the first place I went to after grad school um, from Columbia, from New York, uh, was Afghanistan. And some of the things that I did see there affected the trajectory of the work I would do later on. For example, I was an economic advisor at some point uh, for the a World Bank project to, to the Prime Minister's compound. And um, one day while commuting to work, I just saw a taxi in front of me and a hatchback. And there were three women scrounged up in the back while the front two rows of the car were all filled with men. And I just thought, you know, with all I have possibly, you know, learned and could contribute with the language skills, whatever, but I just woke up to the fact that there could be other economic advisors, but I decided that at that moment I'd be perhaps working mostly on women's rights. And so one way it affected and changed me was the importance and centrality of women's rights in development and just the sheer lack of presence of women in uh, peace processes in development spaces in post-conflict conflict spaces in in complex emergencies. So that was one way in which I affected um, change in my own career path going forward. And then I've spent a lot of years working 
on rights-based work. Um, the other bit in which that has changed me personally is also that I have just really learned to put you know, my bosses as the people I serve. I've stopped uh, maybe early in my career. I was very keen to do well, to find you know, roles. I was keen on growing you know, in my career as well with jobs that were better. And, you know, you, you, you've you gone to grad school, you've taken loans and you've done, you know, it is a lot of things that come in your life where you've kind of thought of yourself as an academic. And then you realize that it's better with the stresses inside these organizations to put the, I don't know whether you call it, call it beneficiaries or, or people you serve as your bosses. So if I started to ask myself, would the librarian be happy with what I'm doing? It doesn't matter if my bosses are not in the organization, in the UN or in the INGOs. Uh, would 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 the Kosovar or would the Bosnian, would the would the you know Kyrgyz or the Afghan or the Iraqi, would they be you know valuing if I left tomorrow that you did something good? So that also changed for me. So sometimes I'd have to make choices that I you know would be better for the beneficiaries of the people I was serving, but perhaps not always great for me is inside organizations that sometimes we're also trying to please, you know, donors. We all are driven by a need to keep our funding going. So there's a very difficult balance there. So um, there's a lot to say that one learns from these environments. The other bit is also how huge a toll it takes on on, on, on oneself personally and uh, how as much as we imagine. Right, yeah. No, I think I, I love your, um, you know, the first point that you're making when you talked about your experience, you know, um, seeing less um, women in Afghanistan really, you know, making decisions that affect their lives and how that actually led you to have, to adopt that mindset that did I serve the Afghan population in a good way? Did I serve these women Do they have, mm. um, you know, better lives because of me? But then you already spoke about we all we have all seen the news. As you said, you've served in Afghanistan yourself. You have still connections. So I think because we are directly like involved and responsible for other people's lives, sometimes even to the effect that, you know, it's their security. I was working myself in South Sudan and sometimes it's just it's just really heartbreaking to to see that, you know, you try as much as you can, you try and and work really hard and, and try everything. But, you know, sometimes the problem seems to be too big to solve when you when you currently see the situation in, in Afghanistan evolving, the, the pictures from the airport where people are desperate to, to leave. And so I also wanted to touch with you on, on those kind of circumstances that we eventually are faced when when working in this field, because you deal with with real situations where people's lives are at risk, where, you know, you have situations of, of famine, um, like when I was working myself in, in South Sudan. So how do you, like, how do you, how you have you learned over time to to deal with these feelings of, of being overwhelmed, sometimes being tired, frustrated. Sometimes we get, we might even get to the point where we're ready to quit our jobs um, so mm -hmm. yeah, how 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 did you manage with you know you have such a long experience now you've you've mm -hmm. seen and, and lived through so, so many situations. So how do you have any advice for people now listening in? How did you yeah yeah deal with those kind of um, experiences and feelings? 
I, I think, you know, again, I would say the first thing is the, the humbling of it. Like, you you know, one really has to have humility and, and understand that, you know, this is, uh, you know, not a James Bond role. You know, we're not trying to save the world. We're trying to serve the world. We're trying to share the pain and the, the difficulty and make it, you know, as to the best uh, you know, extend possible, ameliorate their suffering and 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 help uh, in the way possible. Not, you know, let's not play God here, if you if you will. So I I apply I try very hard to remember that. And uh, how I I mostly try and deal with it is just to again constantly remind myself that 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 you know as 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 a surgeon does, as a doctor does, so do aid workers do. Is you try and use all of your education, your skills, your abilities, your compassion your deep let's say solidarity with the, the the you know people of the world that are suffering and and yet to know that, the, that there is a distance there and that, that you give them agency to 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 the extent possible to make choices you give them you know the help you can but at some point you you know so how i you know on a physical level i exercise a lot it, it was easier in the camps in afghanistan because there's a lot of group sports, I, you know, there were some people who ran yoga classes or meditation, I'd try and join them. A lot of it was also communal dinners. We would just cook together and eat together, like in cultural groups or others. And it's so interesting and wonderful, like when you come abroad and different places, how countries that may be at war, like I would see all the Balkans groups that would not get along once they go home, all come together because they eat and speak similar, Serbo-Croatian, whatever. And then I'd see South Asians, Indians, Pakistanis, Afghan, all of these sort of groups coming together, even if the countries may be in trouble, if, you know, places in the Middle East. Um, so there were ways in which that cultural bonding and food helped. Um, I, you know, there are moments where, you know, ready to quit is the 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 only sort of thought that overwhelms you. And and um, I think the only way back is you also take breaks. You maybe talk to somebody. I used to use the the the, the counseling officer in the UN quite, uh, you know, often as as and when needed. I even took some of my colleagues after some bombings when they were overwhelmed, they would go in a shell. I, you know, some of my international colleagues, uh, if they lost friends or family, I just would take that and say, look, I, there's no weakness in it. If you don't talk it out, it'll show up in our relationships. It'll show up at home. It'll show up somewhere that you will just be surprised by. So it was just a, a smorgasbord of different ways to cope. Some are, you know, finding help. Some are, um, finding cultural or, or food or, or other activities, yeah. that kind of thing, and sport. And, and and some are not so good either. I mean, some some were, there were times you're just really bad and you end up, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, using uh, substances uh, beyond the necessary. And it's, it's really good to be mindful and say, oh my God, I'm not enjoying that drink. I am drinking to drown something that I need to talk about. And it's just, you know, it's good to listen to a friend or a colleague tells you, look, you just, you know, you need that help. And so yeah. I think that's also very helpful to know when it's gone beyond an enjoying, you know, an enjoyment of a meal or, or a drink and it's gone into a, a coping mechanism, you know, and 
that shows up in, in weight gains or losses or or damage to your skin, damage to your body, damage. So I think that's that's really self-awareness is necessary. I cannot help anybody. I had to remind myself if I am completely falling apart. And so when mm-hmm. I am falling apart, I need to take time. I need to take time, you know. Yeah. Now, even in this moment, just as a last point, Marika, I'd say even in this mm-hmm. moment when we're working 24-7, I'm telling all of my international colleagues, you know, I just in the morning with the, with the friend Kim, who is an extraordinary lawyer in, in, in Afghanistan and working, and she's like, my pain doesn't come close to it. You know, I've been 15 years working. I, I know the Afghanistan. I'm like, just, I understand you're doing great. Please take a step back. If you are saying that, that means you're suffering. You, you are doing great. You've mobilized people, but you've got to, you know, take care of your kids, yourself, just step back a little bit, because if, if not, you know, I, I know from experience, it just, it goes bad, you know, mm. so, you know. Yeah, I think you made a really um, powerful point that I also can relate very much to in, in my own uh, journey. If, um, you know, if you're yourself drowning, like you can't help anyone. Mm. If we imagine like we're on the beach and, you know, we 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 jump in to help someone, but we are not trained. We're not the you know lifeguard, yeah. and we we will drown ourselves, and we don't even help that person who's drowning. So I think that's for me a really um, um powerful point that you made that we really need to to look into ourselves or talk to people to say, okay, what you know, am I drinking now too much? Am I working too much? Am, am I getting you know? easily frustrated and, and triggered by what people say, then I think that's kind of a moment where, um, you know, we might need to step um, back. And you mentioned already, I mean, I'm doing the same meditation, you know, exercise, mm-hmm. trying to eat healthy. But I think I also like what you said, you know, there are moments when we're just not, you know, when we're just a bit unhealthy and we work too much. And those are okay too, as long as we kind of are aware of that and, mm-hmm. you know, find a way, find a way back. Or, I mean, there's also... Um, you know, and I, I I will share the links um, with where the podcast will be published. There, there is a UN network for counselors, and so there are enough resources to that we should um, tap into. Um, but mm-hmm. I also like your point that I, I've seen this in my work as well. You know, you have these big conflicts, and then you know, with the UN or when we work in with non-governmental organizations, everyone comes together and shares a meal, and then these these differences that you might see in your own country don't matter so much when you're, you know, Mm -hmm. in that environment. I think that's also the beauty of our, of our work that we easily come together as, as the humanitarians sharing this identity and support each other, have dinners together and, and so forth. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I don't want to leave this podcast on this, you know, dark, um, dark moment, although it's very important. I think that we start, you know, opening up about Mm -hmm. these, these difficult conversations and that, you know, some, there are, if you see poverty and war on a constant basis, I think mm-hmm. we should ask ourselves like some of these questions, what, what actually does, does that with us? So if someone who is really, you know, young now, you know, aspired to work in the sector, always dreamed about, you know, working for non-governmental organizations, they weren't really making a difference in people's lives. If someone is, you know, tuning in right now and listening, Manaf, what would you say, you know, to keep in mind when you, you know, as a young person, just, you know, graduating um, and starting this job afresh, what would, what kind of would you, would you recommend to them 
um, if they, when they're now about to start their career? Yeah, I, you know, that's a very good question. I'd say that, uh, you know, perhaps people coming in should kind of uh, see this as a space where increasingly it has gone beyond, let's say, there was a period post uh, the 1950s up until maybe even up till 2000, where it was like, whether you call it a post-colonial moment or such, that it was a handover and a lot of people were struggling with the concept of what is that space? How do we empower without uh, looking like we're uh, such, you know, perhaps, you know, being mi misunderstood by populations we serve as, 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 as some kind of quasi-colonial whatnot. So a lot of deep work has gone into, uh, let's say, changing our behaviors, even if the attitudes were not wrong, some of the behaviors were perceived as similar. So the persons who are coming in new should should be quite hopeful of, of being able to make an impact uh, of, of contributing. They should perhaps enter this space with the view of uh, you know, sharing the, the best way they can. So not always walking in with this idea that I'm, you know, I'm here to change it all. Sometimes you'll hear to just, you know, hold somebody's hand. You cannot always change lives as we know even in our own personal lives. So, you know, you if you're coming and starting your career, I think the better way is to or honestly to come out if you can. Let's say, I mean, I, I was in New York when I was studying as well. And I and then I left and uh, it came to Afghanistan right a bit after September 11th. And, uh, you know, I'd spent some time learning Persian and all. And I, I'd say it was not that easy. I, you know, my first one was the Swiss piece and with the World Bank assignment, then I, just different things and then joined the UN. But it was quite challenging in the beginning to, just like arrive first, you just think you know everything because it's been intense in grad school and, and you just feel you've learned development. And it just it just takes a, a bit of effort to, to realize that people know their context just because they need help or holding doesn't mean that they don't know the solutions. So that's also humbling that they might know how to help, but they just can't do it. There's so certain ways in which that used coming in can be really helpful. Like also I learned that different contexts are important to understand. Like I served in Afghanistan that I felt my education wasn't complete and I requested to be moved to Africa. And in Africa, I learned completely different things. Then I wanted to learn, you know, how other parts of the world. So I was, you know, moved to Central Eastern, to Balkans and Eastern Europe. And uh, I learned like context is so critical for them. It's, it is their life. For me, you know, I have to learn first, you know. So I'd say coming in when you're starting your career, um, bring all that wonderful knowledge, bring all of your experience, but also bring a, a, a deep attitude to listen and learn from the the, the native uh, populations, the, the people who actually know what could work, but maybe for resources, maybe for certain technological support, uh, or maybe just we lacked humility to listen to them, you know, it, it didn't work. Just Let's not see them as failures if the state looks like it's a failing state, you know. So I think there's a lot of hope to contribute if you come in with the right sort of attitude. And, and one more thing, Marika, just start your careers with taking care of yourself also. So self-care is truly in our field now more and more important. The more you'll take care of yourself by not developing 
you know, this narrative of like, oh yeah, it doesn't matter. It's all, I just go from war zone to war zone. I'm not, you know, it doesn't matter. My life does, it's okay. The, the, the pain is more, the more it just, it turns into a distancing and, you know, we, we don't, we don't really take care of ourselves. We don't feel the, you know, we don't, we lose along the way the ability to feel for where we're serving and possibly even we lose the percentage of ourselves that really compassionately uh, feels because it's just too hard then. So self-care is now considered very, very critical. So, you know, contribute a lot, but take care of yourself in, in, a, in a nutshell, I'd say, mm. uh, when you're starting. <laughs> No, thank you. This has really been a yeah wonderful uh, advice. And really, I think even we don't think so about this in this way, because as you said, we're the heroes. We're we're coming in with this mindset. And, and, and I've done this myself. So, okay, I'm, I'm helping here. But as you said, it's a humbling experience over time because we realize, yeah, they are in a vulnerable situation. But as you said, very powerfully, um, doesn't mean that they don't have the solutions or we just need to give them a little bit support. And I think for us, if we care about others, then we need to also learn to care about ourselves because otherwise we, over time, as you said, from emergency to emergency, we we run on empty and then we, yeah, we, we lose that emotion that we need, that empathy, that compassion for, for others to do our job the way we should do. So thank you so much, Manaf. This has been a wonderful conversation. I think so much rich things for me to, and for I'm sure the listeners to take, to take away from. And thank you, Marika, yeah. for having me also. That's, that's yeah. been very useful and I hope it's useful for your listeners as well. Yeah, perfect. And this brings us to, to the end of the podcast. And for those who are listening in, there will be, many more um, to, to follow where we bring inspirational guests like Manaf and a fun fact about you. You're also uh, not only a humanitarian worker that has worked everywhere around the world, but you're also a poet. Um, so mm -hmm. we have lots of different identities as a, as a humanitarian worker. So again, it's, it's been wonderful to have you and, um, Thank yeah, you. and thanks for everyone to, to listening in. And this brings us yeah. to the end of the podcast. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. For those that seek professional help, you can go and check out the counseling unit at your own organization, the medical services, or go and speak to a private doctor and seek their services.